0: Hi, welcome to episode 32 of On Jordan, a podcast in the latest developments in Jordanian politics, featuring interviews with experts from across the Hashemite Kingdom. My name is Aaron Magan, a former mom-based journalist, now in Washington. On August 12th, King Abdullah signed a controversial cybercrime law passed by Parliament, further restricting online speech in the Hashemite Kingdom. The measure increases jail time for posts that undermine national unity or promote fake news. Member Parlemental al Armuti said that with the bill's passage, Jordan will become a big jail. In a rare U.S. critique of Jordan's human rights record, the State Department said last month that the cybercrime law limits freedom of expression and may lead to the undermining of Jordan's economic reform efforts. At the same time, Jordanian authorities defended the law, saying it was necessary to ensure citizens' privacy and prevent societal tensions. To better understand the cybercrime law, it's great to welcome Raya Shardain to the podcast. Raya is a trainer in digital security for journalists and human rights workers based in Oman. She researches digital surveillance and censorship. Thank you for joining us, Raya.
1: Thank you very much for um, welcoming me to this podcast.
0: So Raya, tell us about this new cybercrime law.
1: Now we're, we have a law uh, of 40-ish articles going from different restrictions on speech, different uh, uh, restrictions on social media companies, different restrictions on uh, use of uh, VPNs and proxies, restrictions on also uh, obliging companies and social media companies that have over 100,000 users in Jordan to open their offices here and comply by government orders for data on accounts or content removals otherwise they would throttle or slow down these or even just completely censor these platforms Uh, so it's just a set of extremely restricting um, articles What's also bad about the law is that uh, there are fines and imprisonments that the uh, charges that are very high. So fines go up to fifty thousand JDs, and imprisonment goes up to three years. So one of the articles, for example, is in the law says that uh, you will be criminally responsible for for the comments that people post on your uh, posts on social media. So if you post something on social media, be it whatever, it can be a picture, someone comments on it with something that's considered incriminating in the eyes of the government, you and the commenter will will be held to, uh, to account for uh, this comment.
0: And how is the 2023 law different than the 2015 one that also focuses on cybercrime issues?
1: Oh, it's extremely different. Two main problematic articles in the 2015 art, uh, law were the article, uh, article 11 on smearing and defamation and so on uh and article 15 that's it now it's most articles are problematic because there are a set of articles around character assassination without any definition it's all very ambiguously phrased so there's no definition of what character assassination constitutes too so it's smearing defamation but also fake news even at the level of the un we don't have an official explanation of what constitutes as fake news. I think it's both fake news and which I believe translates to probably some form of disinformation, like intentionally from uh, promoting news that is uh, wrong uh then you have articles around saying that if you use vpns with the intention of doing or if you use a tool that changes your ip with the intention of doing a nefarious act therefore you're also going to be liable and here the it goes back to the question of how will the judge be able to determine that one i was able to use i was using a vpn they often I mean, internet providers can often tell that we're using VPNs and proxies and Tor, but not all the time. And second, that I was also committing a crime while using this tool. And so it's not clear how this will will be interpreted.
0: In terms of fake news, if a citizen read online that a minister would resign and posted this on Facebook, but this ended up being inaccurate, could a citizen end up being prosecuted under fake news for such a post?
1: I mean, it could be the case. Uh, It really depends, because what we've seen in the past is that It's obviously they're trying to legalize their repressive measures, and specifically on certain people, so journalists, defenders, civil society actors, human rights workers. We've seen that happen with Jamal Haddad, a journalist who I believe late 2021, once the COVID vaccine was out, he posted a news article on his own outlet, I believe, saying that members of the government were already receiving the vaccine. He took that news from the social media account of one of the ministers that had posted this. He was immediately charged, according to the old cybercrime law, the 2015 one, and then detained for an, uh, for a few days until there was a wide campaign until he was released. I think he was released on bail. So this was considered in a sense uh, fake news i was I forgot the exact charge he had then, but we don't we didn't yet have an article specifically condemning fake news uh, in that sense so I think it's possible yes uh, it's difficult to say what you will will constitute a crime and what, what won't constitute a crime it we will need to wait and see how uh, the government will take uh, how the state will take action uh, once the law is in effect.
0: Certain members of parliament say that the cybercrime law is necessary to protect the privacy of Jordanian citizens. How would you respond to such an argument?
1: This, this is state narrative, uh, and it was obvious that the state tried to promote this narrative of uh, under the protection. You know, they always do that with every uh, restrictive or repressive law or directive they put forward it's always under the guise of protecting society and for safety and security of all people and so they use that same narrative when promoting this law and it seems that members of parliament also and members of senate and ministers also adopted this narrative and just echoed what the government wanted everyone to say them to promote the law but it's it's definitely not the case this is pure propaganda to be honest and uh, the law is at its core and purely oppressive. There's no justification for its uh, passing. You could claim that some articles will protect people's personal lives in one way or another, but generally the articles imply that uh, they will deploy a whole electronic army on the World Wide Web, social media channels, and so on, so they can do more surveillance on what people are saying at all times, so they can prosecute people based on... What they share what they say what they comment uh, on and so on it goes against privacy it, it it mostly feels like surveillance capabilities will only increase and mass surveillance capabilities
0: will only increase now some analysts say the law could harm jordan economically can you please elaborate
1: yes actually if you Throughout these past few weeks, there's been ongoing conversations with people who work in communications and social media. You have a lot of media agencies here in Jordan. You have a lot of technology. Jordan is supposedly an IT technology hub. They will take a big hit in the sense that the law, it's going to create one, a chilling effect. This chilling effect could result into, one, people not doing their job as they're supposed to, as comms people, as media people. Two, technology companies also... Fearing any sort of possible persecution or prosecution getting out of the country, specifically technology companies, because they just don't want to face any form of criminal charges because it seems like they could take a hit too. So, yeah, it's been, it it seems like it might uh, mean that a lot of people might either avoid doing certain jobs or companies might avoid or uh, coming to Jordan or even get out of Jordan as a result. On top of that, a lot of the companies and a lot of the economy in Jordan relies on, uh, let's say, promotions on social media, uh, doing business on over social media, and now there is a restriction according to one of the 30 plus articles an article that says that if a social media company does not comply by their uh, requirement to have an office in jordan if they have more than a hundred thousand users in jordan uh, they will uh, slow down uh, the webs the platform until and government can actually effectively order the complete shutdown of a social media platform without court order if it decides to do so. So that means you're suddenly stopping, closing the water tap on all of these businesses who uh, continuously rely on on these social media platforms to do business. Everyone will take a hit, but uh, specifically also the economy will take a hit.
0: Is that law requiring an office for those platforms with over 100,000 users targeting Facebook?
1: All platforms are targeted, uh, Meta, so Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, TikTok. TikTok anyways is already blocked and the government has openly said that they've blocked it because they have problem with the content that's on there. And TikTok is not complying with the request to take down content. Um, that includes, I believe, Google platforms so YouTube would be considered one of the social media platforms. Uh, you name it, Telegram, I believe, would be one of them. So all of these uh, are required now to have an office in Jordan. I mean, uh, Turkey has passed a social media law in 2020 requiring a, s- a similar thing, and social media companies have not not all of them have complied with that requirement and are now in negotiation with the Turkish government to see how they either can meet halfway, I don't know what the meeting halfway translates to, uh, but I feel like it might translate to some more violations of users' privacy and users' freedom of expression or people's freedom of expression but yeah this is what we know how it stands now in turkey jordan is a small market at the end of the day it's 10 million people so if you take the biggest social media which is facebook and you assume that all of us are on facebook so 10 million or 11 million people that's an ex- uh, facebook looks at us as as markets uh, we're a very small market so we have very small leverage also i mean if it was egypt with its 100 million users or nigeria when they stopped twitter with 200 million users they would care a bit more. I mean, 10 million users is not going to create any a kind of emergency within Meta or Facebook's uh, offices.
0: Now, how has the Jordanian public responded to the cybercrime law?
1: Um, it was uh, one law that united all of Jordanian society in the sense that everybody re- uh, rejected it. Everybody expressed fear from the law. Everybody expressed the fact that it's extremely restrictive on on all levels, not only just basic rights, uh, but also just also economic rights. Um, Amount of people from all across the board that expressed their rejection of the law uh, was obvious, was clear. I can't name one, let's say, party or entity or group of people that uh, voiced their agreement with the law except for the state.
0: So if the vast majority of the public, you're saying, was opposed to the law, then why did the majority of parliament pass it?
1: Um, because, <laughs> yeah, parliament and <laughs> senate does not represent the people. And that was obvious. And it's it's been obvious for a while. And uh, people who are much more literate than I am in political life in Jordan will tell you why this is the case. But yeah, they're not representative of Jordanians' views. It's obvious also that certain members of parliament have been hand-selected and are also facing intimidation from different parts of the state and so on so
0: for years jordanian security forces have arrested activists without due process and harass journalists so what will be different with this new law
1: uh, this will be one of the ways that the government makes it legal for them to to also continuously detain uh, journalists and activists and people based on what they say and what they their movements online so it's one way to legalize their restrictive measures and their oppression actually
0: but if the Jordanian government is doing it anyways why does it matter if it's quote unquote legal or not
1: so people don't keep telling that you're doing something that's illegal in any case, the law in itself is actually unconstitutional according to many, many legal experts because it it uh, goes against the very basic constitutional rights put forward by the Jordanian constitution. In any case, uh, even now with the detentions that are happening, a lot of people say that this is not exactly following the rule of law, but now it could be harder for us to argue this. That be- becomes one of their ways to... I I wonder if there's also another intention here, because if you take into consideration the case of Egypt with the anti-protest law and that was passed in 2013. Today, 10 years later, I think if you ask people in the streets what they think of protesting in general, they might answer. I think on a sociological level, the answer is that protesting is not necessarily a good thing. So I wonder if a few years down the line with a law like this that's passed, whether we will also just become very used to not speaking out. Because it's already the case in Jordan where self-censorship is extremely high. And uh, there's almost media blackout on every case in Jordan, every human rights case. So would can you imagine with a law as obscure and as oppressive as this, how it will change the behavior uh, of everyone moving forward um, month after month? So... Yeah, we'll see.
0: In a rare critique, the State Department warned last month that the cybercrime law limits freedom of expression and harms journalists. Do you think this U.S. message is appropriate or it's an intervention in internal Jordanian affairs?
1: So, you know, when you reach a point where like whatever, anyone can anyone say anything, whatever can will make the government of Jordan listen at this point so the law doesn't pass. So, yeah, but sure. any government speaking out, not any, but uh, speaking out could probably make the government of Jordan listen. But we knew that the government of Jordan was just not going to listen even to their biggest funder, which is the US government. It's tough, but on the short term, I think this kind of diplomatic pressure could offer some relief to local civil society to try and fight back and resist such a law. On the long term, I think, uh, and according to my moral compass, it's not exactly something I totally agree with. But sure, on the short term, I mean, we're trying what we can. You knock on all doors, you know. Yeah, there's been meetings with a lot of people in embassies and so on. has not led to anything and I don't think will lead to anything.
0: It's interesting because Jordan follows U.S. requests on so many issues, but in the cybercrime law, Jordan really put its foot down.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just a very brief statement at the end of the day from not a high level person within the State Department or the U.S. government. So, I mean, if it was Biden, I guess it would create a bit more echo within the Jordanian state to take some form of action saying, "Okay, father said we shouldn't and maybe we shouldn't.
0: (laughs) King Abdullah has long called for more open political system and robust public debate. How does this square with the passage of the cybercrime law?
1: How many people did you say listen to the podcast? (laughs) It's completely in in perfect irony what the intentions of uh, what the king wanted to do in terms of political reforms in the country. It was all, I think, a staged lie uh, and a a very nice show that they did in front of people when they formed this 90-people committee for the reform of the political system. I forgot what it's called. And these 90 people played the role of uh, the legislative body, which is actually to write down uh, the laws related to the formation of political parties, but also uh, an update of the elections law. There is constantly statements going out saying, yes, we want m- political life to bloom in the country. We want political parties, a multi-party system. But it's all empty words. Um because in practice this is not what's happening because they are closing down unions, they are closing down political parties, so their actions are, are very much in opposite of what their statements are. So this this becomes more and more worrying when they just... Um, completely oppose each other at all times. So now they, the Independent Electoral Commission drowned our streets for the past year, I think now, uh, with pamphlets saying, we want a, par- a parliament that is multi-party, we want uh, youth representation, we want uh, women's representation, because this is the voice of the people and so on. And it feels very much like how Again, back to how you, how propaganda tends to work. I think this is very much in line with propaganda practices and so on. So if you are someone who's just reading about Jordan and reading just that, reading then what the statements from the governments are <laughs> saying and so on, then you'd say, yeah, obviously, this is a country that's really trying to uh, attempt at a democratic life and so on. But uh, obviously not in practice. This is not the case.
0: Before we go, is there anything else about the cybercrime law that you haven't mentioned that you think is important?
1: There are many, many problematic articles in the law. Uh, It's also very ambiguously phrased. uh, And in parliament, they've openly said, yes, we should leave it up to the judge to interpret specific articles and how they're phrased, which is extremely worrying. Come September, I think we're going to enter into a phase in Jordan where you're just going to see more and more. Uh, civil society come into battle with the state it's just going to become much more obvious because you'll see increased detentions dubious charges put on people and just this lobbying it's a blank check for the government to close down on everyone and anyone that opposes them
0: that's all for today thank you very much raya
1: thank you thank you very much Aaron. really appreciate it
0: that was raya sharmain Here's what else you should know in the past month. On August 18th, The Guardian reported that Jordan's Intelligence Directorate, or GID, has been accused of intimidating gay individuals and shattering two LGBTQ organizations in the kingdom. The British publication explained that the GID forced the head of one such group into a car, interrogated him, and detained the activist overnight. The GID called his parents, he said, and told them he was gay, upsetting the family dynamics. In a statement to The Guardian, the Jordanian government denied any LGBTQ organizations existed in the country. In other news, Jordan's foreign ministry summoned the top Swedish diplomat in Amman on July 21st, protesting the Swedish government's decision to allow extremists to desecrate the Quran in Stockholm. The ministry condemned the act, describing it as an expression of cultural hatred and a crude offense to the religious sentiments of about 2 billion Muslims, which in no way can be justified under the freedom of expression. Before I go, please listen to previous episodes on Jordan's stance with Hamas, featuring Foreign minister Mohammed Abu Ruman, along with Jordan's 1970 civil war with Dr. Yazid Finally, if you're interested in joining the podcast or have an idea for an episode, please reach out to me via Twitter, at Aaron Maggot, or by email, aaronmaggot one at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.